That's right. That's right. Yeah, I did mine before you got here. So, um, remarkably, I remembered to do it. Well, there you go. There you go. So, uh, so last week was Thanksgiving. What did did you guys? You told me this probably, but did you guys go anywhere? We did. Yeah, we went to. Uh, let's see. Actually, there was a change of plan. So, normally on Thanksgiving Day, what my family does is we'll we'll spend the day with spend the morning with uh with my mom's side of the family we'll you know we'll go we'll go over to their house and we'll have you know thanksgiving dinner and all that yeah so our plan was to uh for for my wife and i to go to that in the morning and then split you know about halfway through what we would what we would normally stay and then go to west tennessee uh well someone in my aunt's family was in close contact with covid so we so we decided to to ex nay the eating me, and <laughs> excuse me, and uh, we just we just had a, a small little thing Thursday morning with my mom and so with my mom, my brother, my sister, her fiance, Storm, and uh, my sister's daughter, so my niece. So it was it was just all the, the local, yeah, just the local focal, yeah, local focal, yeah, yeah, the local the local yokels, as some might say, yeah. But well, we, we we did still go to West Tennessee though. Okay. But not as far west as that might seem. We only went to a uh, holiday, which is an hour an hour west of Nashville. Oh yeah. So, so it's, it's it's not as far as Memphis. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what y'all what you You do? know, if you can avoid going to Memphis, it's always a, <laughs> a really fine thing. Yeah that's, yeah. that's what I hear. Yeah. I'm probably insulting somebody from Memphis. <laughs> I, I lived in Memphis for for three years. Two, two uh, was it three, four? Maybe it was four. I don't even remember now. Anyway, I did not like living in Memphis. <laughs> Blocked it out of your head, huh? Yeah, I did not like. There were some wonderful people there, but I did not like living in Memphis uh, at all. So <laughs> I, I going to say when that. when we moved back to Tennessee, I said I said um, I do not want to live um, west of the Tennessee River. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's what I said. I yeah. said anywhere east of the Tennessee River, I'm good. Yeah, I don't want to live west of the Tennessee River, and so here we are. I thought you were going to say uh, I knew a few good people in Memphis, but I did not like those few good people. Yeah, no, I did like the I did like them. There were some wonderful people there, but yeah. Anyway, so we were we had my brother came down uh, from Virginia, so he was with us all last week in Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always always fun to be together with him. Um, he he and I just we enjoy spending time together. So he was here, um, and then he left to drive back on Sunday, and then on Monday of this week, my son's best friend uh, flew in, and um, he was with us until just this morning, uh, and then he's flying back to Texas. And, um, it was, it's, he, we call him son number two. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause we've known him since he and my son were in middle school. Mm. And so we call him son number two and he calls us mom and dad number two. Oh, there you go. And, uh, it's always good to see him. We love him to death. That's sweet. Yeah. But, uh, so I got up early this morning and cooked him breakfast before he uh, headed off back to the airport. So yeah, nothing, a, nothing eat your wallet like an airport breakfast. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. And it's kind of a little, tr- I, like I like cooking breakfast. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of my thing. And, and I usually cook breakfast for him when he's here at least once. And so uh, it was pretty simple. It's just bacon and eggs this morning. Sometimes we do, hey, that's all right. sometimes we go all out and do some more fancy stuff. But yeah. 
Now, anyway, speaking of breakfast foods, uh, we we talked about this uh, when last we spoke off mic. You recommended a seasoning. Yes, that, yes. Uh, that I did. I tried. Did you try it? And boy, howdy! Yeah, that is some fine stuff. Yeah. So, so the recommendation, dear listeners, if you're uh, if you're cooking eggs, tr- find some. Um, it's called herbs de Provence. <laughs> So it is. It's, 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 I think the, is the S silent. I don't know. Herbe de Provence. Herbe de Provence. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a French seasoning blend, and it's it's uh, it's real mild. You know, it's rosemary and thyme and just some mi- oregano There's and marjoram. Marjoram in there. It's yeah. it's very mild stuff, so it's not going to over. But put that on your eggs sometime. Oh man, pretty, it was. I was pretty fine. I was pleasantly surprised. Pretty I was like, fine. dang. Yeah, Ron, Ron got it this time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, it's, I, one, it's I, one of my gifts. They, yeah. <laughs> let me let me turn food, you. Food is one of my gifts. <laughs> turn, let me turn you on to something. Uh, I found out how to make creme fraiche. Yeah, how to make it? How I didn't. Make it. I, I didn't realize it was this simple. You take a cup of heavy cream. Yeah, and two tablespoons of buttermilk. Okay, and let the and mix it together like in a mason jar or something. Set that in the fridge. Let it chill for a couple of days, and it will eventually curdle and turn into creamy fresh goodness and it, i and i added that to the eggs with the with the herbes de province herbes de province so yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was that's what yeah. i did for breakfast today well there you go there you go that and some yeah. bacon so yeah yeah and bacon is always fine that's right that's right well folks this is ron longwell and i'm glad you're here today for another um, episode of the jesus society podcast a conversation exploring relationship renewal and purpose in the kingdom of god this is episode 41 mm-hmm. of the jesus society podcast and today uh my friend uh drama professor extraordinaire brendan taylor hello and i are going to be uh, discussing the final episode of season one of The Chosen. This is episode eight, mm-hmm. and it is titled Invitations. Uh, no, oh, no, no, it's this not. Is, this is no, I it's am not. He. Yeah, this is, <laughs> it, sorry, uh, I am he, I am he. Invitations was episode seven. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, just had it wrong in my head. You want to you reshoot? No. Okay, no. I'll keep going. No, we'll just, we'll just roll, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so... That's how you got to make it in this biz. That's right. In, in the biz. That's right. Yeah. In this lucrative podcasting biz. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, so we're going to just jump right into this. Uh, this is a, this is the final episode. I, I think a lot of, a lot of things that this, that season one has been sort of building, like every, it, this episode kind of sums up a lot of things, mm-hmm. I, I think. It ties up a few ends. Yeah. And, and sort of drives home what I think is the. You know, if there's a if there's a theme in season one, I, I think you see that. I think you see that pretty clearly in in this. Um, so so the opening scene, um, we're told it's it's Canaan in 1952 B.C., not A.D. Or as our fellow heathen brother would call, B.C.E. B.C.E. Yeah, B.C.E. But we won't use that. Yeah. I, I'm old. I'm old school, and I still want to say BC. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So, um, so in this opening scene, Jacob, uh, the patriarch, Jacob and his sons are digging a well. Mm-hmm. And well, 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 well. Uh, up walks one of their neighbors, um, who he gets to talking to. Jacob meets him for the first time. It seems like, and they get to talking, and the and the neighbor tells Jacob that he made a really foolish purchase when mm-hmm. he bought this land from the sons of Hamar. 
And he tells him, you're never going to strike water in this land. And Jacob says that his God will take care of him. And the neighbor says, this is Canaan. The gods are not nice here. That's what he mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk about, like he wants to know a little bit about this God of Jacob. And uh, he says, well, what's, your, what's this God of yours called? And, and Jacob says, El Shaddai. Now, if you don't know, there are numerous names for God in the Old Testament. Several. 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 Plenty. Several. A, uh, a dozen or more. One might say a multitude. A multitude. A myriad. A mixed multitude. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of them. And, and all the, all, they're all descriptive. So, you, you know, you can probably Google it. I know you can Google it and find names of God in the Old Testament. And you will learn some things about God. And, and if, you, if you go to the passages where, where these names pop up, um, and and read how the writers use the different names of God in in the context of a story. Uh, it, it can be very instructive, right? So El Shaddai is one of the more common names for God in the Old Testament, and it means um, God Almighty or um, the All Sufficient God. Mm-hmm. The idea is God is the God who can take care of business, right? Um, the illustrious potentate. The, yes. Yes. So, so that's the name that in, in this opening scene that Jacob tells his neighbor is the name of his God. And his neighbor says, well, I've never heard of him, <laughs> you know. Well, I bet you haven't. Yeah. You pagan. And, and, and Jacob says something like, um, you know, a lot of people haven't, but I, I you know, I think someday they're going to, a lot of people are going to hear about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but he, his neighbor asks you, where's your, where's your temple for this God? How do you, you know, how do you go through your you know where where's your where's your idols right mm-hmm. and don't, Jake, yeah like don't you carry him with you yeah or yeah, yeah something yeah something like that jacob says well my god has no temple and and he says oh well, how do you you know how do you carry him with you right um and uh, jacob says that they they don't really have any idol things like that that god's not really physical although um, one time he broke my hip he says yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah so that's a that's a reference to uh, Genesis 32, um, which you can read. And then the neighbor says this, and this is an interesting, he says, of all the gods you could possibly choose in this world, you choose one who is invisible, whose promises take generations to come true, who makes you sojourn in strange places, and he broke your hip. <laughs> he says, that's a strange choice yeah. <laughs> for a God. And then he, he just sort of rolls his eyes and says kind of derisively, um, immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Jacob says, we didn't choose him. And, Je- and right as soon as he says that, Jacob's sons call out. Uh, and as it turns out, they've struck water and they haven't been digging for very long in the, in the story, in the, in, the, in the chosen here, in this episode Jacob and his neighbor, they walk over to the hole where they've been digging. Jacob bends down, he scoops up some of the water, and then he stands and he looks at his neighbor smiling. Now, remember, he's just said, we did not choose him. We didn't choose this God. And he looks at his neighbor and smiles and says, he chose us. Mm-hmm. So the, the opening scene then shifts. We see a woman drawing water from a well about 1900 years after this. So it's AD 26, we're told. It's Jacob's well. And this is the Samaritan woman that we will read about in John chapter four. She's alone in the heat of the day and she's tired. 
mm-hmm. and she still has to carry all this water back to her village, which which looks to be a long way off. We will find out this is the village of Sychar, and we're going to see her again. So drawing water in that day and time was women's work, and, and the way she did it, it is hard, hot, brutal work. Yeah. Yeah. So after the intro music, we see this same woman arriving in a house with her two big casks of water that she had suspended between a a stick that she carried over her shoulder. Mm -hmm. She goes into this house and there's this old man sitting at the table. And he says, you know, when the door opened, I honestly hoped it was a thief or a murderer come to put me out of my misery. Which is an odd thing to what say. A, what a hopeful, yeah. What a hopeful yeah. sounding. This, this guy is not enjoying his life. No, right. We we don't, and we, and I don't know that we ever know why, per se. Not in this episode. Um, yeah, just, unless we, just, we unless we find out later. We just know he's a real jerk face. It seems to be. To put it bluntly, um, yeah. <laughs> there, and there's more going on there. She, anyway, she says, she says, "I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I need something for you uh, first. And and we find out her name is, I think, Fortina. Or Fortuna? Uh, the, I, for, uh, the the subtitle had it spelled P-H-O-T-I-N-A. It's like Fatina. Like, okay. Like, I, I, I don't know. Something, something like, like that. that. We just call her the woman. The woman. Yeah. Then again, I don't know. And you know, can you can you uh, can you trust subtitles? Are they you know are they? Well, they they were the official. Are they they textually accurate (laughs) subtitles? They 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 were the sanctioned subtitles by the chosen crew. Okay. So I I would tend to trust them. I don't know. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll go. So how how did they say it again? Fatina, like no R. Fatina. Yeah, Fatina. Okay. All right. So we'll go with that. Well, um, bottom line is, so he, he tells her that if she would just come back and live with him, so we know that they don't live together, mm-hmm. but they did at one point. At, at this point, too, it's, it's, it's not really clear who he is and what their relationship is. Yeah. He's, he's old enough to look like he's her father. Right, right. And that's the first impression you might get, but... Then dialogue goes on. Dialogue goes on. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so we're going to find out this is her husband, Mm -hmm. right? Her legal husband. And it is, it was not uncommon at all for uh, your husband to be much, much older than you were. Right. 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 Back, back then. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's still true in a lot of um, undeveloped countries today. Right. Um, So, uh, so, so he says, he says, if she would just come back and live with him, he, she, she could go to the well with the other women in the cool of the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and she says that he's wrong. She said he could go with them if I'd stayed with Ramin. So now there's another guy that she's, so, so we have some, we have some content like, and we know this from the biblical story. Like if you read John four, I think is where it is. Yep. This is a woman who's had a few husbands. Right. Well, so this old man asks how much money she needs, and she says she's not here for money. She pulls out a piece of paper, and she says, I've brought a bill of divorce. All you need to do is sign it. He says, only a man can divorce his wife, not the other way around, which is true. In in that society at that time, women didn't have, they couldn't divorce their husbands. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he asks, on what grounds am I supposed to divorce you? And she says, well, I'm living with another man. Isn't, isn't that enough? Yeah, isn't that good? And and he says, this is interesting. He says, so what? That's all you did with me is live here. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. 
She says, you knew why I married you. And he says, stability. And then he says, the shine wore off quick, didn't it? <laughs> so th- there's there's all sort of relational woes in this in this woman's life. And in, in, in his too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, she, she, anyway, they, they, she wants him to sign this bill of divorce at, at the end of all this. Um, he insults her a little bit and, and calls her a basically called, he doesn't use this word, but he basically calls her a whore. Right. Uh, she's, she's running around with a bunch of different men. Mm-hmm. Um, he even, he even says, uh, I don't, uh, or he, he says, I, I consider you my property and I don't part lightly with my possessions. Right. Or right. So, or something like that. Right. He, 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 she gives him this bill of divorce and he looks it over and then he just says, no, he's not going to sign it. And he throws it in a, throws it in the fire In the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So she's married to this guy, but she's not living with this guy and she can't be legitimate unless he divorces her and which he's he will not do mm-hmm. so she's in this sort of weird place where and and that's why that's why she's got this reputation in town and nobody likes her and she's going to the well at a different time than all the other women are there because they won't they nobody can stand her right yeah uh, the so, mess is the messes we get ourselves into so once it's like no once again it's like another image of isolation yeah and yeah well, Jesus is going to fix that. The out, outcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking now, of outcasts. Oh. Well, so uh, you, you, you can look at this, uh, right? And, and, and this, is, this is where we, we, sometimes I think we're, uh, sometimes I think we're not as understanding as we ought to be. Like we, it's, it's so easy to look at a woman like this and just wag our finger at her and say, well, you, you made your own mess lie in it, mm-hmm. you know, we, and, and we, mm-hmm. which there's a, tr- that's true. Like she did, she made this mess, right? But what, what I have learned about God is God, God is not quite so harsh all the time as we are in our, right. in our screw ups, right? Yes. She, she has kind of made a wreck of her life. Poor decision-making. I've known some women like her right, in, right. in my life, right? And uh, most of them have turned out to be just victims of poor choices, but decent women who wanted more, right? Yeah. So I, I want to say, and, and we're going to see, we're going to see Jesus do this. I, like, I, I want to say, you know, we need to, as God's people, we need to be a little more gracious toward people who haven't made all the choices that we think they should have made. Or right. That, right. And, yeah. and, I, and I think to be, to be fair to the scene, to, to be fair to the scene too. Yeah. She made her choices and she is living with the consequences of those choices. She's not responsible for her current legal husband being the jerk that he is. Cause he, yeah. like he has his own problems too. Sure. sure. Like, and it, the, it's like the writer's, it's like it's like they they want us to have sympathy for the woman. Yeah. Like we're sympathizing with her. Like we understand. Like yes, she made her bad choices, but yes, also there are there are things that are affecting her that are beyond her control. Right. And that kind of sucks out her hope. Right. Like she's like she's increasingly hopeless as as we'll see later on in the show too. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, like even in the public marketplace. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. So okay. So next scene. 
Um, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of gloss over this a bit. Sure. Um, Jesus and his disciples are at this big feast, and it, it's Matthew's house. And Matthew is shuffling around trying to be a good host, and they're all laughing and they're having a good time. Except for Simon. Except for Simon's he's, a little. He's, he's staunch. He, he's. I, I think he's not excited about the fact that this Matthew guy is on board now. That, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He, he he's, seems, he's still very, very wary of. Yeah, Matthew. Matthew offers him some grapes, and he declines. And mm-hmm. and I don't think it's because he doesn't want any grapes. He doesn't want it's, them from Matthew's because, hand. It's because Matthew offered him. Yeah. 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 So, so there's some relational work to do. And this is like, this is Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't get to choose who, who Jesus chooses, right? We're, That's right. We're, our, our, um, my brothers, my sisters, like I didn't choose them, but they're sons of my father, daughters of my father. And if I love him and he loves me, I got to love them too. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we have to. We have to love who God loves. They were they were chosen by Jesus just like Simon was. Exactly, you know? exactly, and they all come with baggage. All of us come with baggage. Yeah, yeah I was about, I was about yeah. to say, but I got I got I got wheels on my baggage. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it easier to carry. That's right. That's right. So uh, about that time, a couple of Pharisees show up. They mm-hmm. hear they hear them all talking in there, and they think it sounds like Jesus. And lo and behold, it is. So they, you know, they look through the window and talk through the window and. Matthew goes over and talks to them and, and they get into this discussion and they, they ask at some point, they're not, they're not crazy about the crowd Jesus has gathered around him. Sure. Yeah. You know, tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners, sinners. and outcasts. Right. Right. Heathens. Yeah. And so they, they ask at one point, um, why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now this is, this is, they're combining several gospel events here into this scene. Yeah. 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 Right. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, of course, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And um, they're, they're just they're, like, that doesn't phase them at all. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, the one who does all the talking is a Pharisee named Yusuf. Yusuf. First, I thought it was Shemuel, but I, I like, I can't tell all these Pharisees look alike. I can't, you know, I can't tell, I can't tell one from another. The typical uh, first century Pharisee look. Yeah, right, right. Um, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not Shemuel. We'll right, see, right. we'll see him later. Yeah, we'll see him later. Anyway. Um, not to overuse the word, but we'll see that jerk later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they eventually work their way around to accusing Matthew of um, not, um, not offering the proper sacrifices at the temple. And mm-hmm. Matthew says, um, uh, he, tax collectors aren't welcome at the temple, right? So, you know, what are, you, what are you supposed to do about that? And um, anyway, Jesus, uh, they, they say, that the Pharisee says, this is not about what we want, it's about what God wants. And Jesus says... It's about the law. It's about the law. Mm. Jesus says, you're forgetting the scroll of Hosea. That's right. And he says, go and learn what this means. And then he quotes Hosea 6.6, 6, in which God says, I desire mercy more than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get him. Yeah. Um, well, that doesn't phase this Pharisee either. And he says, there are righteous men, righteous men on the lookout for you. And they're weighing every word you say. Isn't that what legalists do? That's, that's exactly what they do. out every thing you say they're looking for a reason to condemn you so that's and that's that's what they're doing here and who who comes to jesus's rescue good old simon 
Yeah, is, yeah. is there a problem over here? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> he's got it. It's, it's like I think. Did he have his hand on his dagger or something? Like he was ready uh, to. I don't remember. He was ready to go. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrappy Simon. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and so Jesus says to him, he says, "Well, let these people let them know this: I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and about this time, Gaius shows up. Speaking of sinners, speaking of sinners, <laughs> he shows up, and and you know he's heard a little bit of a commotion. And uh, remember, Quintus has told him um, to, to has he told him this yet? To to um, make sure he squashes any kind of rebellion or whatever. Uh, has he told him that yet, or is that coming? That's coming up. Okay, I know what you're All talking right. about. That's coming I'm, up. I'm getting my scenes mixed up. Well, anyway, he, guy shows up. He asks if anything are under control, and the Pharisees say, "Well, we're we're just on our way." You know, um, they leave, and then Matthew wants to talk to Gaius, so he kind of invites Gaius in, and they go off to the side. And Gaius tells Matthew he's making a mistake. Tries to win him back over. Tries to win him back over. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, he, and his evidence for all this is, is he says, "Look at around, look around at the people in this room." He says, other than a few of the tax collectors who I know to be, you know, law-abiding citizens, uh, everyone else around Matthew's table are what he calls the dregs of Capernaum, mm-hmm. the bottom of the, the bottom barrel. The bottom of the barrel, that's right. Uh, Matthew is a tactician, right? So he says to Gaius, he says, you know, your promotion was well-earned <laughs> and that you'll do, you'll really do better without me. And Gaius Gaius asks how that could be, and then he admits, "You're the one who got me promoted." Yeah. So yeah. he's he's on. He realizes that Matthew tells him, he says, "Well, you could at least say thank you." And Gaius says, "Well, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then and he says, "You could show it." You could show it. Yeah. Yeah. You could do something to show us. And Gaius sighs a little bit, and he says, "What's the favor?" And we're going to have to wait to another scene to That's find right. out what the favor is. Yeah. It's a little ways away, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Next up, Nicodemus and Zahara. And Zahara, yeah, his oh, wife. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But but there's a there's a couple of cool things. So his wife comes in, and she, um, he, he's sort of praying. It looks like he's praying at the opening. Sure, of the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And she comes in and asks if he wants to rehearse his speech. Apparently, he's going to be making a speech. They're they're giving him some banquet or something to honor Nicodemus for all the work that he's done in the betterment of Capernaum while he's been visiting there. That's right. And uh, she says, they want to honor you for all you've done here. Give them a thrill. More more theater. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but that, that kind of that kind of posturing just makes me gag. Yeah. You know, I, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's the only thing you care about is you know, glory and credit and, and position and prominence and, uh, anyway, uh, they, they, they start talking about, uh, they end up talking about Shabbat and the blessing of family. And they talk about being with their kids and, and how much, how wonderful that the the rest of their family. And they get to talking about Nicodemus's grandmother and an inscription that she had over her door. Mm Mm-hmm. And the inscription said, the inscription she had over her door said, was uh, Adonai El Roy, which is another Old Testament name for God. And it means the Lord, the God who sees me. Mm. And his wife reminds us that those are the words of Hagar. So Hagar was Abraham's servant, 
who Sarah, his wife, gave to him as another wife when she couldn't, Sarah couldn't bear children for Abraham. And, you know, he knew Abraham needed to have, she knew Abraham needed a son. Mm-hmm. So he says, here, she says, here, take my maid and, you know, have a child with her. Maybe she will produce. Well, she did. The child's name was Ishmael. Okay. Um, and at one point in that little story, Hagar gets kind of kicked out of the nest. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah gets jealous, tells Abraham to kick her out. So she he kicks Hagar and her son out. And at one point they think they're going to die and, and um, God shows up and takes care of them. And, and Hagar says, Adonai Elroy, the God who, see, God who sees me. Okay. Anyway, Nicodemus is talking about his grandmother and, she, and he says, she always loved that Hagar was caught up in something complicated, but not of her choice. And yet God saw her and knew the path she was forced to take would not be an easy one. Now, it, that, that is foreshadowing in all kinds of ways, all right? All kinds of ways. Yeah. So, so who do you, who, in the context of this episode, who could that be applying to? I think it's applying to uh, Fatina. Or the woman at the whale. Yeah. In some ways, yes, yes, for absolutely. I th- absolutely. I think, I think to her, but I also think to pretty much everyone who's following Jesus at this moment, too. To, to Nicodemus, even. I yes, think. yes. Right? To all those who were invited. Nicodemus is, um, to, to, to requote this little thing, Nicodemus is caught up in something complicated. Not of his choice, mm-hmm. and yet God sees him and knows the the path he is forced to take would not be an easy one. So we still don't know at this point whether Nicodemus is going to follow Jesus. Jesus has, has called him, invited him, and we don't know whether he's going to take him up on that or not. Has he decided <laughs> to follow Jesus? That's right. Yeah. The old has man. he? Oh, we'll, we'll has find he? out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so that's a that that is a very uh, full statement there that Nicodemus makes, and it is it is I think it it is applicable to a lot of people in this in this episode, mm-hmm. right? Um, Nicodemus' wife says, Zohara says, we when we stumble onto hard roads, he finds us and comforts comforts us, and Nicodemus says, or does he call us to them? Mm-hmm. So here's a big question. Does God sometimes call us to difficult pathways? I would, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. There's, I, I think there's difficulty in, in coming to the realization of our limitations to the, to the ends of our ropes. If you want to use the expression, uh, eventually just like Nicodemus here, we're going to come to an impasse. Where we have to make a choice. Yeah. Where, and the one one way is going to be easy, one way is going to be hard, and it's just. And yeah, yeah, and and it's um, a lot of people come to Jesus because they're at the end of their rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because it, it's time to fish or cut bait, and we, you know, yeah. we're we're desperate, right? So we turn to Jesus and in our to God in our desperation. Um, it doesn't have to be that like it doesn't, we don't have to get to the end of our rope, but sometimes for a lot of us that are a little hard headed, um, 
you know, we, we don't surrender until we have no other option, right? Which is a bit of a shame, but that's the way it seems to work with a, with a lot of us. Um, I, I think a lot of us think um, that the, the Christian life is always going to be prosperous and easy, you know, I, I, we've got a we've got a, a a great group of people in this country, um, a, a TV preacher uh, among them, who a, a very popular TV preacher who shall not be named. Who shall not be named? <laughs> um, uh, I'll I'll name him, Joel Austin. There you go. Right? Who who really wants you to believe that you know if you follow God, boy, he he's going to open up and just give you every bit of your heart's desire. You should be you should be wealthy and you should be happy and you should live in big houses and have right right there's a there's a, a prosperity gospel kind of thing mm-hmm. that is is you know and we like the sounds of it right we, all of us because it's what we really want we really want to be um, healthy wealthy and wise right right, right? we we want all the good stuff well, and if and, we want that we just go to bed earlier. Yes, that's right. Yeah, this is not hard. Yeah, so you know, I think I think sometimes sometimes God calls us to things that are difficult, and I think in a certain way, Christianity itself is like it's not the easiest path. It's I think our situation in America has been a little odd because for the last for most of the last hundred years, it's been pretty easy to be a Christian. You know. Um, but for most of Christian history, and in, certainly even today, in lots of parts of the world, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be a Christian, there is a cost. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis Chan talks about Christ, being a Christian in China, and, and he says, um, he says um, in America. In fact, uh, David Young um, just said this recently. He said, and I know this is true. I've been in ministry. I, like I know this is true. I meet somebody. I can, through powers of persu- logic and powers of persuasion and a mastery of scripture, I can get them to make a decision for Jesus in a, in a in pretty short order. Like I can I can pull out all the stops and be persuasive, and I can get them there. Right, I've done it. I, these days, I'm very much ashamed of the fact that I've coerced people. I, I think into that at right, least at right. times. But that's that's not hard to do terribly right yeah that doesn't mean they're totally surrendered to jesus but you can get them to that you know the the point at which they've made a decision that you can count and put on a board yeah yeah (laughs) in the most crass way of talking about that francis chan says in china people take a long long time Mm -hmm. a year or more sometimes maybe longer to decide to follow Jesus. But here's the thing. Once they make that decision, they're locked in. Yeah. They're not they're not changing their mind. That's why they take the they take the time to make the decision because they know what the costs are. They know um they know what it's going to take to be faithful and they want to decide they want to count the cost. Right. Is right. this is this worth it? And and if I sign and then they're all in, right? Um, you mean they don't, they're not baptized at 11 years old at camp? Um, you don't even get me started. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> don't even get me started. Um, Checking the old... I keep, no, I keep, I keep, getting, a, I keep getting a text. Um, 
This is uh, this is poor. This is poor podcasting. My son just texted me. Oh. Anyway, so I. I, I is he all right? He's all right. That's <laughs> okay. what I, that's what I was okay. checking. Yeah. Yeah. He's okay. He's, he's not okay. like broke down on the interstate or anything. No, no, he's fine. Yeah, that's what I was wanting to check. Anyway, okay, all right. Um, so Nicodemus in this little scene uh, that I said we were going to move quickly through and we haven't. <laughs> um, well, I knew we wouldn't move quickly through this one because yeah, yeah. because it, it builds up what's going to happen later. Right, so. it does. It, right. He, Nicodemus starts to get visibly shaken at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he realizes the realizes the precipice i think that he's on he's on the horns of a decision we would say um and his wife looks at him and she says nicodemus i love our life and he starts to cry and he says as do i and she says take me back to it Mm -hmm. and he clears his throat and then steals uh, steals himself and makes an excuse he's got to go work on his remarks for this thing and then he walks out so that's the end of that so Nicodemus has got a choice to make and we're going to talk about that when we actually see him make it but yeah um, anyway okay so Quintus the next scene is Quintus office Um, Gaius enters Quintus asks him what methods they're using to quell and disperse mobs um, that obstruct traffic like the mob caused by Jesus right Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm And Gaius tells him what they're, you know, some of the things that they're doing. And he says, if necessary, we'll use force. And Quintus says, it's not enough force. He says, what what use are mounted officers if the people have never seen anyone trampled by them? Yeah. Yikes. So he goes, Quintus is just a peach of a guy, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, he basically, he says... He wants Gaius to not let that kind of mob that happened when Jesus healed, healed the paralytic. Don't let that happen again. Yep. That that mob slowed down this Herod's envoy that was coming to see Quintus, and he was going to have this big showdown with him, and that wasn't happening. Quintus got read the riot act because of that, and he doesn't want that to happen again. Um, so so uh, they, you know he tells Gaius, don't let this happen again. And at the end of this. Um, Gaius breaks the news to Quintus that Matthew has quit his job as tax collector. That's right. And Guy, uh, Quintus says, well, why'd you let ha- that happen? And, and he says, well, I, he was a contractor. I didn't really, you know, there's nothing I can do. Quintus asks him what, what it was that he quit to do. You know, what was he going to do that he had to quit? And Gaius tells him he's going to become a student. And Quintus says, a student of what? And Gaius tells him, he left to follow a holy man, the man from the Eastern ghetto, the man that you're, you're so upset about the, the, by creating this mob. Mm-hmm. And Quintus says, oh, I really don't like that man. Yeah. <laughs> Way so, to be melodramatic. Quintus. Yeah, yeah. So, so the tension is building here, mm-hmm. right, between Rome and Jesus. It's already building between the Jews and Jesus. It's building in Rome and Jesus, too. Um. So, so the next little short scene, Jesus and his disciples are in their camp. Simon is troubled. Jesus wants to know why. Simon says, you're telling me you don't already know what's in my head. And Jesus says, well, that's a conversation for another time. Right. right? We'll get right. to that. And Simon admit, what, what's it, so what's his, what's his concern? Well, he's, uh, he's the only disciple who's married and to follow Jesus, he would, he would have to leave behind Eden with her sick Ema. 
Uh, yeah. And right. that, that would leave them vulnerable uh, in a dangerous spot. And if anything worse were to happen to Ema, then he wouldn't be there for Eden, so on and so forth. Right. So he, he's got family. He's got legitimate family concerns. Yeah. That uh, that Jesus is going to tell him, you've got to leave them to die to follow me. That's exactly what Jesus is going to say. Yeah. 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 So he's concerned about that. Yeah. Um, and and um, G- Jesus says... Um, I want one of the funny, we're going to see more of this, but Jesus says, Simon, everybody here knows what you're thinking most of the time. It doesn't take God's wisdom. And Simon yeah. looks around at all the other disciples and they're looking oh, at him oh, and nodding. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> so th- th- why is this scene in there? It's, it's short. It's a brief little conversation. Why'd they put this in here? I, I think it's because they, they want to show, they want to bolster Jesus's humanity. He knows that Simon is troubled, like deeply, deeply troubled to the core. Yeah. That he is leaving behind Eden and and her Ema. Her her sick Ema. Yes. Yeah. yeah bedridden. Yeah. But like that's how bad she is. She's bedridden. She's coughing. She can't breathe. Right. He and he knows how deeply troubling that is to Simon. So he wants to. He wants to provide for Simon, the, the peace of mind, the serenity. If you want to say that he wants to, he wants to do that for Simon, uh, and I and I think this scene, this scene is going to build up what's going to happen later, in which he actually does that. Yes, he he, he fulfills that. Yeah, if you and want to and say we're gonna see, yeah we're gonna see how, and if you've read the Gospels, you probably already know how, but but um, yeah, it's 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 setting up the background for what Jesus is going to do mm-hmm. uh, for for Simon and and Eden and Ema. Yeah. 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 So, um, the next scene is, and, and I think this is Yusuf. Um, at first, at yes. first, yes. With Nicodemus. It's the same guy that was, you know, banging on, uh, Matthew's door. Yep. yep right. Yep. A few, few minutes ago. So he, he congratulates Nicodemus on his contribution to the area during his visit. Tell him they're all, they'll all be forever in his debt. Nicodemus gives God, God the glory. He says, "Praise Adonai," and Yusuf says, "Praise Adonai," and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. And just for context, this this little scene is immediately after Nicodemus has just given his his farewell speech. Uh, yes, yeah, that, that he was preparing, to, that he yeah. was writing or preparing when he was talking to to, to Zohara. Right, yes, right. Yes. This is like a they're they're like in a in a secluded little corner alcove uh yeah it's like behind the scenes like back like we, we might say backstage backstage this is this, yeah. this is that kind of conversation yeah. so yeah. yeah go ahead so as soon as yusuf leaves nicodemus starts getting a little pensive again like his mind is wrestling with this decision he's got to make and then old shemuel comes mm. in um mm. and you know every conversation shemuel is a foil in this mm. in this thing, right? Like yeah. we're not supposed to like him, and we don't. <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, he comes in and he tells him the ceremony was glorious, and that his acts of faithfulness have been duly recorded. Nicodemus thanks him and tells him he's grateful his for his service as well. Um, and he and he says, "I foresee you to be an important leader in our order for many years to come." And then Shemuel admits that he hopes one day he'll move beyond Capernaum and teach throughout Judea and even in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So he's got aspirations and ambitions. Of course. Uh, Nicodemus kind of, I think, brushes him off a little bit. He says, well, perhaps you will. And, and then he also says, like, we shouldn't be too quick to 
plan our own future or something like that or so, something. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Um, and Shemuel says, well, it's not, it's not such a ridiculous notion, is it? I've, I've studied under your venerated tutelage after all. And as your reputation grows, so too do my own prospects. It's like, it's like he's trying to appeal to his perception of Nicodemus's pride when Nicodemus doesn't have a problem with pride, he's a very humble man. Right, right. <laughs> he's right. like he's like barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, and he's very keen on riding Nicodemus's coattails mm-hmm. all, all the way to the top. Um, and um, so so th- there's a word I want to point out here. All right. Now this is this is in the chosen. It's not in scripture, but but I, like this is I think he said I have studied under your venerated tutelage. So. Let's talk about the word venerated for a second. Okay. What does that mean? Do a word study. Yeah. What does what does the word venerated mean in your uh, I could, I couldn't give you the etymology, but uh, basically it means uh like uh praised, uh put on a pedestal, yeah. uh lifted, lifted above the rest. It's it's special, it's unique. Revered. Revered. Yes, yes. W- widely yes. revered. Yeah. 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 Um sanctioned. You, you, yeah. you, you, you yeah. want to toss in that language? Yeah. So I am of the opinion that we, I think we need to, I think we need to be careful about venerating people. Um, uh, it, 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 to me, you know, we can respect people and we should, if they're worthy of respect, but, um, you know, treating, tre- reverence, is something that is the exclusive domain of God, right? In my in my view, right? We don't venerate people. We venerate God. Yeah. That like that's that's. I I think I think we need to be really careful about how we view and and I I would say I would say our religious leaders get that from people more than they should. Yeah. You know, we, we sometimes treat religious leaders. Some denominations are worse about this because some are structured in such a way that you almost have to. Right. Yeah. yeah. But even, you know, some of your more evangelical, I mean, people, people treat preachers, um, funny, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Oh, come here, sit at the, sit here. You know, the, um, the same thing that Nicodemus has been struggling with. Well, yeah. Struggling with for the entire series, people, people treating him, as if he is better than everyone, almost, almost if is, and it's somebody. Somebody even said in one of the episodes, you know, it's there. I mean, maybe it was Zahara. I think so. Yeah, I you'll, you'll be, about. you'll be, uh, uh, you know, you're like a god to them or something. Something. Yeah. And he got really mad at that. Yeah. Right. I, I, th- I think it was in episode two uh, with the Shabbat. Uh, someone made some yeah. comment. I think it was Zahara. Uh, it'll, it'll be like they're having Shabbat with God Himself. Yeah. Yeah. And and he and he that, that sets him off. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. It should. It should. So I, I just want to say, you know, we need to be we need to be really careful about about setting any human being up on on that kind of pedestal. And and I'd say, you know, um, our religious leaders you know, ministers and, and elders and bishops and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just people. They have some more education, some experience in there and they're, they have a, a specific role, but we, I think we need to be really careful not to, not to 
think that, like this is a huge deal for me. We need to think, not think that they're closer to God than that they have some sort of access to God. This is the thing about Christianity. Every one of us yeah. has access to God, mm-hmm. right? Whosoever will, baby. That does not need to be mediated through another human being. That's right. Right. That, like this is this is a big, this is a big deal. <laughs> the only mediator. so I'm, I'm using this I'm using this little scene to kind of preach a little bit. Sure, sure. I guess about this, but. I say um, the only the only human mediator we need is also fully God, and His name is Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So the, the other if, thing if I want to him get the other guy yeah, out of here. Yeah. The, the other thing I want to just sort of bring to the surface here is the is is the trap of ambition. Um, you know, Shemuel is being driven by personal ambition mm-hmm. now he's going to couch it all in the in the language of oh no it's not about me i'm i'm serving god you know but it's clearly about him you know he's wanting the position and the prominence and the you know all the honors and the accolades he, he's clearly wanting all that mm-hmm. and and that's something i think that's something i think we as christians need to keep in check a little bit sure that and and that's biblical you know anyway um, so this is where Nicodemus says, I think it's perhaps bold to assume outcomes. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, our work is for God. He chooses where it takes us. And Shemuel, Shemuel says, you're right, but, and there's always a but with Shemuel. That's it. Right. Well, he is a but. So He says, under your guidance, I've found a matter of law that I'm deeply passionate about, one which resonates with many others, even as far away as Jerusalem. And when I hear that, I think, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. The little schemer, <laughs> the little manipulator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's the, remember the old Seinfeld episode when, when uh, Newman would come in and, and Jerry Seinfeld would uh-huh. say, he would say, hello, uh, Newman. Newman. And you could just, he, hello, Jerry. <laughs> you could hear it in his voice. Yeah. It's like, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, that's the way I feel when I hear, when I hear this, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so Nicodemus says, well, he's delighted to hear that, you know, he's found something he's interested in and asks him what it is. And, and he says, false prophecy. Uh-huh. Ugh. <laughs> T- tell me about it, you viper. Tell me about yeah, that false prophecy. Yeah. And why is that not surprising? Uh-huh. Right. And but see, I've no, yeah, and you probably have too, because we kind of come from the same background. I've known a bunch of people in our tradition who have sort of made a hobby out of sort of being the watchdogs for that, the, for truth. Like, that's right. Right. And, and Count if you, the days. if you, if you step out of what I think is the truth, well, I'm going to call you on it. We mm. used to have, we, we probably still do, although I don't read them anymore, but there's a whole um, publications in our brotherhood dedicated to nothing else, but exposing error. Mm. Or as we say in the South era, 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 and, oh, and you know, when you put yourself in that kind of seat of judgment, when you're, when you're setting yourself up as judge and jury, you, you cannot do that without a certain degree of arrogance because you assume that like you cannot, you cannot be a judge unless you assume you've got everything figured out. Yeah. Right. Like there's no humility in any of that. Mm-hmm. And there's none in Shemuel at all. Right, not um, for every for every ounce of humility that Nicodemus actually has, Shemuel has none of it. Has none of it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. none. Yeah, and so he says, and he's he's about to dig at Nicodemus too, because he says, "When I heard 
the man from Nazareth, Jesus, mm-hmm. tell the paralytic his sins were forgiven. I thought only God can forgive sins. And at that very moment, he turned to me and recited my thoughts as if reading them from a scroll. Now, if if somebody, I, I, I like to think, so if I'm if I'm sitting there, right, and I'm watching somebody just heal somebody, and right before they did, they have said what Jesus said, and they also read my mind mm-hmm. accurately. I, I I like to think that I'm going to look at that and think, there's something godly going on here, right? There's a, there is a thing about there is a god thing. Shemuel does not exactly like he he cannot see the hand of God in any of this. Right, and again, if uh, you know, you, you used the word foil earlier. This is another foil to Nicodemus. Nicodemus recognized the miracle for being a miracle. He recognized right. Mary's healing for being a miracle of God. Of and, God, and he knew that God was a part of it. Yeah, Shemuel, and he said, he oh, said yeah. to Jesus, Nicodemus said to Jesus, "No one can do the things you can you do unless God's with him." Exactly. Like he made that link. Like exactly. that's not a huge jump, right? But that was the that was the problem in Jesus' life. Loads of people saw what he did, and some people perceived it rec- correctly, and some people didn't. And Jesus' comment for that is, he talked about people having eyes to see and ears to hear, mm-hmm. right? And some people just don't. And it it has to do with the condition of your heart, right? Whether you can perceive things correctly spiritually, yeah, right. So. Um, so Shemuel's interpretation of all this is, did he use divination? Mm-hmm. Oh. And he goes oh. on. He goes on a bit, marshalling scripture oh. in, in his support, Man. and then he drops this bomb. Can't be messing with those familiar spirits. Yeah. So he he drops this bomb on Nicodemus. He says the man claimed to be God. So he gets that, like Jesus did. He claimed to be God. Like in in, he called himself the Son of Man. Like there's no, there's no doubt Jesus was claiming to be God. Right, 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 right. The man claimed to be God, Shemuel says to Nicodemus, and yet you said nothing. <clears throat> so he's digging. He, oh man. And then he says, I will petition Jerusalem requesting permission to search the archives for all matters pertaining to such false prophecy. And will you oppose my position? Because the question of every man who reads my account will have to be, what did Nicodemus do? So he's he's working Nicodemus Ooh, to get man. what he wants. Mm-hmm. And Nicodemus says, so it's all about politics and promotion for you. Mm-hmm. He sees he sees it for what it is. It's not to serve God. And 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 then Shemuel, and this like this may be the most shocking statement in this whole thing. Shemuel says, on the contrary, teacher, it's about the law. And the law is God. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. The law is not God. <laughs> the Bible is not God. Mm-hmm. The Bible is a testimony to, to God. Say it again for the people in the back. Um, the Bible is not God. <clears throat> now, you will, you, if you've been listening to this podcast long, you will know, and I've said this before, you will be hard-pressed to find anybody with a deeper respect for scripture than I do and a deeper love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's not God. Right. It is, it is, it is a gift of God. It is. I, I learn about God. I access God through scripture, uh, in part. Um, but, but 
God is bigger than Scripture, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, I think I. So I think I hear the calls of sola scriptura far behind us. I think I think I think we're yeah. rustling some feathers. Yeah. Oh man, I don't care. <laughs> there it yeah. is. Yeah, I don't care. And and, and what does Nicodemus say? Once uh, once all this is coming to an end, he he turns to Shemuel and says, "Look, I'll, I'm not going to oppose you, and you can do your thing." Yeah. But you've learned nothing from me. Yeah. And he basically disowns him. Yeah. As a student. Yeah. So 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 here here's a here's a question: Why do we despise characters like Shemuel so oh, much? Man, hold on, I got I got to sip on that for yeah. a second. He is so okay. So so here's here's the thing about making judgments on characters in fictional stories. You you got to look at their actions, and you got to you got to look at the choices they make, and you got to look at their the actions that they undertake, and then of course motivation is a part of that too. Uh, in this in the world of this plot. It is it is definite that selfish ambition, as exhibited in, in Shemuel, is negative. It it's just outright uh, villainous, antagonistic. It uh, you've got the forward you've got the forward moving action of of Jesus. You've got the forward moving action of his objective, which is to uh, call again call who whosoever will. Yeah. You've got he you've got him on his mission. Everyone everyone has an objective. Everyone wants something because that's human nature. And that's that's when whenever we see stories like this or whenever we see movies or plays or or read books, whenever we engage with narratives, fictional or not fictional, we as humans, we are drawn to seeing other characters and what they want. We don't like we don't like Shemuel because or at least the writers would the writers of the show would not like us to like Shemuel. Some people might like him. I don't know. I don't think anyone watching the series will like him because we're not supposed to. Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 that's an important point. We're he. This is a story, and he's put in there to be a foil. We're not supposed to like him. Like, exactly. and we, we see this exactly. in shows. You don't like Darth Vader, right? Um, you don't like um, you don't like Sauron. In Lord of the Rings, um, well, not not to get on a pedestal. We could talk about this later, but you don't like Snape in Harry Potter, even though Snape turns out to I, be okay. I was, I was about to say Snape has his redeeming qualities. He does, but you don't see that on them for a long time. Not right? not initially. Yeah, I would say Darth Vader has his redeeming qualities too, but that's a conversation for another time. Right. But right. I, but I get the point you're making, especially with Sauron. Yeah, like he's the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 um. Uh, um uh, the, the other guy, Saruman. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. You don't like him from the start. <laughs> right. And it doesn't get any better, you know. Um, like, like even uh, even if we went from a non high you don't, you don't like uh, cream of worm tongue. Worm, worm tongue? Oh, worm in, tongue? A, in a Harry Potter. No, no, no. Or no. No. The, the, um, the guy at um, um, uh, Theoden's, uh, the, the guy that's. Uh, when Theoden's in his uh, land of darkness, there. Oh, the, oh, you're still the, on Lord of the Rings. I'm okay. still on Lord of the Rings. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around, folks. <laughs> jumping around. You keep up, keep up. Yeah, yeah. I should, I should, like, I should be better about this. <laughs> well, well, I, I, no, my, it, my friend Eddie's going to be listening. She's going to be laughing because he knows. <laughs> he, we talk like this all the time, and he can keep up with 
keep up with all this. But I realize not everybody is the movie buff that I, that I am. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to throw in another example. Um, you know, it, you know, because of the pandemic, everything's been shut down. Yeah. But recently, the the worldwide global <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> if there was any confusion, that is what we're talking about. Uh, but the theater here in Shelbyville, the Capri, they they opened up sometime maybe in late summer, and they were they were just showing old movies. Yeah. And they and one of the first ones that that Storm and I went to go see was Jaws, the Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Well, we we did see that. <laughs> Boy, that wasn't that fun. Wasn't that fun? That was fun. Uh, no, uh, I was gonna, I was going to make a point about Jaws. Uh, you know, you, you might think that the that the antagonist of the of that film is the shark. Not necessarily. The shark is, you know, a, a character of its own, has a, a, a sentient mind of its own. Sentient. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Well, that, that's what the filmmakers suggest, right? Yeah. Um, Oops. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> that scared I'm, me. My, my, I, I was anyway. Never mind. But anyway, but you've got the uh, the the real antagonist who is working everything against uh, Sheriff Brody is the mayor of the city. Yes. Yes. Who is who is keeping the beaches open? He he wants you know he wants success. He wants he, he it's about politics and promotion for him. Yeah, he wants to be the shining example. Right. Uh, he he's got the, he's got that pride. He's very image conscious. Same thing with Shemuel right here in yeah. the Ghost of Mister Chicken or the Ghost and Mister Chicken. <laughs> if any of our listeners have seen that film, which you should because it should be required viewing for all Americans. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a it's a Don Knotts movie. And in that movie, there's, you know, you know, not, not to spoil anything, but there's no ghost, but there is a force. There is a character working against Don Knotts' character, Luther, yeah. Luther Heggs. It's the, uh, it's the man who actually owns the Simmons house, Nicholas Simmons. He's working against, right. this, this is where we get into, um, I'll say who, uh, I can't remember who exactly it was, but whoever coined the terms protagonist and antagonist. Protagonist literally means carrier of the action. Antagonist means opposer of the action. Okay. This is this is what drama. This is this is foundational drama. Uh, foundational drama terms right here. Okay. Uh, you've got the you've got the the protagonist who is who is carrying the action forward. Then you've got the opposer of the action, the antagonist who is opposing. Uh, either trying them to, trying to stifle the action, right, right. Uh, yeah. Whether it's either through indirect contact via manipulation through other circumstances, or whether it's through direct contact like a sword fight, yeah, uh, you know, like in, like in Shakespeare or, anything, or something like that. Uh, you've you've got you've got an antagonist in Shimuel to bring it back to the chosen because that's the that's the series we're talking about right now. Yeah. He's the he's the antithesis of Jesus. Yes. In many ways. Yeah. Um, Quintus is too. Sure. In a different way, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's a good point. Like there's not just yeah. one, there's not just one person who is working against Jesus. There's not just one character who's trying to work against him. But there is, I would say there is one singular thread that goes through all of these characters. And articulating that thread may be difficult, but it's, it's something related yeah. to pride. Yeah. It's something related to, to image. It's yeah. something related to politics and promotion. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling mightily right now to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, but we're not going to talk about it because we we're, we're just not going to talk about it, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm thinking about 
what and what I'm, what I'm really wanting to maybe we'll have a conversation after the fact. All right. So what do you do with characters like like I'm going this is way off left field. What do you do with characters like Raymond Reddington in the Blacklist? So we're not going to talk about it, but that's what I'm sitting here. That's what I'm sitting here wondering: is he protagonist or antagonist? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we'll we'll talk about that after the show. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that. We're not going to. We're not going to do that. We we would get off in the weeds (laughs) more so than we already are. Like we are there already. Okay. Next scene. In short, in summation, Shimuel's just a jerk. Yeah, he is. He <laughs> He's is. just a real jerk. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to something so, happy. So Eden, uh, the next scene, Eden is tending to her Ema. Uh, Ema is really sick. Yeah. Really sick. She's got a bad cough. Um, she probably has COVID. Stop um, it. Ema uh, <laughs> asks where Simon is. Um, and she's, I mean, she's just sick. She's sick. Eden leaves, leaves the room and she's about to pray. I think looks like it. She's leaning against the table and uh, you know, like she's about to pray and Jesus walks in and she is surprised. And she says, well, I wasn't expecting you here. And then she tries to be the good hostess, you know, can I get you something to drink? Sure. And he said, he, and I, well, I love this. Jesus, they, the things Jesus says, the, like what he's trying to accomplish here is so sweet. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says, you saw it first, you know? And she says, what do you mean? He says, what I see in Simon, you were the first person to notice when no one else did. That connects us. And Eden said, um, my mother said I was drawn to his wildness and that I would regret it. I wonder what she'd say now. And then Simon and Andrew walk in and they tell Jesus that they're going into town to sell some nets and that they'd be right back. Jesus asked them to stay. Simon says, well, you know, here's the thing. He says, I, I need to leave a little extra money for Eden um, and her Ema and and so I, you know, I really need to go sell these nets. And Jesus tells him to put put his nets down and go sit with his mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And Simon, he's not crazy about this plan, but he does it. Yeah. So he goes in. And then Jesus says to Eden, and I just, oh, I love this. He says, I told Simon, like, boy, I want, I want to just, I want to say as I'm, as 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 we talk about this. Gosh, Jesus is sweet. You know, um, our ideas, okay, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this, I'm going to lean in so everybody says, our ideas about God are so often flawed. Mm-hmm. The, the, if you're tripped up about God, it's because, it's because you have a flawed understanding of God. Because if you understand God as he is, he is winsome and attractive and you just want more of him if you understand him rightly. If God isn't that to you, you don't see him right. Mm-hmm. You don't see him as he is. You see him through some twisted lens that mankind has has concocted around you. That's that's my absolute conviction. If you really see God as he is, he is beautiful and you just want more of him. And you want to be as close to him as you can possibly be. And whatever he wants is okay. Like if you really see him as he is, that's where you get. That's where you get. So so Jesus says to Eden, he says, I told Simon to make sacrifices and to leave things behind in order to follow me. You are, and then he says, oh, this is so beautiful. He says, you are one flesh with Simon. He cannot make sacrifices that are not also yours. Yeah. 
you have a role to play in all of this, he says. And she starts to tear up and says, do I? You know, she's imagining that Simon's the guy, right? Jesus chose him. And, and Jesus says, you're every bit as important in all this as he is. And he says, you'll know in time. I can't make everything about this easier for you. And Eden chuckles a little bit. And she says, that wouldn't be our people's way. Mm-hmm. And Jesus chuckles. He says, no, it, it has not been, nor will it continue to be. And then he steps closer to her and he says, but I see you. It's that, it's that line from uh, Avatar, right? That, yep. the, that, the, yep. that yep. The, 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 whatever the people were called. Um, it's, it's been a while since I've seen yeah, that, yeah. but I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I see yeah. you. And mm-hmm. what, what I see you means in that movie is I, I know who you are. Yeah. Right? Jesus says, I see you. You understand. I know it's not easy to be at home when your husband is out doing all this, even when you're excited about it and proud of him. So I wouldn't ask you to do this without taking care of a few things. Yeah. And he, at, at that point, Ema coughs in the next room and Jesus nods toward her. And the light bulb goes on over Eden's head. And she, mm-hmm. he, she says, you mean? And, he, and, and Jesus says, he says, this is funny. He says, plus normal Simon is difficult enough. You think I want to travel with worried Simon? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they both laugh and Jesus says, no, I, I do not. And he heads off to to Ema's room. And when he walks in, Simon is at her bedside and she is burning up. Her fever's back. Simon says they had a call for a doctor and Jesus says, there's no need. <laughs> the doctor's here, baby. The, yeah. The great <laughs> physician has arrived. So he steps to her bed Simon holds Eden and Jesus touches Ema and looks to the heaven and closes his eyes. And then there's just this dramatic music that comes in. And he opens his eyes and he says, very quietly, he says, leave her. Mm-hmm. And she sits bolt upright in bed with a gasp. She's all better. And she recognizes all that better. there's a strange man yeah, in the house. Yeah, she, she looks at Jesus, who's just sitting there grinning. Every time Jesus does something like this, he grins, mm-hmm. right? He Like this thrills him to be able to heal people and bless people. This is, this is God, folks. Jesus is thrilled to do wonderful things for you. He's probably not going to make you rich, okay? So get that out of your head. But he Darn. wants to bless you. He, he, he glories in blessing yeah. us, right? Um, anyway, uh, Ema looks at Jesus and says, who are you? <laughs> and Andrew says, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Simon says, you, you've never met him before. And Ema says, well, welcome to my son-in-law's home. Then she looks around. She says, why am I lying here? And she jumps up, runs out of the room and says, no one move. I'll be right back with some drinks. <laughs> so she's going to, she's just back to normal. And everybody looks at Jesus and he just shrugs. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it happens <laughs> and and Eden and Simon are like they're emotional about this oh, sure right um, and and she, Eden just says thank you thank you Ema hollers from the other room does your friend like goat cheese mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jesus says yes I love goat cheese <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah good stuff good stuff Okay, now we're getting into the last couple scenes. Um, we're, in the, we're in the Samaritan marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, Fortina, 
Fort, for, for, what's her, what'd you, what'd you Fat, call her? Fatina. Fatina. Yeah. Fatina. Um, sounds wrong to not put an R in I, there. I don't know. I sounds know. just, you know. Fortina sounds better. <laughs> get, get Dallas Jenkins on the phone. Let's get him to change that. <laughs> call him up. Um, anyway, she's trying to get some produce, but no one wants to serve her. She, she is interested in some oranges, mm. right? And, and like, that's going to come back later. The oranges, right? Yes. You, yeah. look like, you look like you're getting ready to say something. No, I no? was, I was okay. nodding in agreement. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Okay, so that's there's that little brief scene. Then we see Quintus is dictating a decree that, and he says to make it in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, which were the three languages spoken in the Roman Empire during that time. And he says do it in all three languages so that no one can plead ignorance. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and here's the edict: by order of Rome, punishable by detention and imprisonment, religious gatherings outside the synagogue and Hebrew school are strictly prohibited. And then they add this into the decree. The teacher known as Jesus of Nazareth is sought for questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, so um, the next scene, you see Matthew's leaving his house. Andrew um, is leaving his house. James and John are leaving their parents' home. Mary is leaving her house. Um Nicodemus' wife is is giving orders to some helpers to to, to pack things up, yeah. and Nicodemus is about to leave. Um, Simon hugs uh, Ema and Eden, and he leaves. So everybody's leaving, and then they all meet up at this at this fountain. Mm-hmm. Right, they're getting ready to leave Capernaum. How all, how nifty that it's a fountain. Yes, yeah. yes. you know, considering yes, right, yes, yes. Um, and as they gather and they they get ready to, to depart from Capernaum, we see Nicodemus watching from around the corner. Yeah. All right. He's not out in the open. And somebody says to Jesus, well, that should be everyone. And Jesus is looking around almost like he expects someone else. Mm-hmm. And he says loud enough for Nicodemus to hear. He says, everyone's here. And Nicodemus is, is troubled. And, and, and oh, as, this, as this scene progresses, you see Nicodemus getting more and more troubled, Yeah. right? Jesus looks toward the corner on the other side of which Nicodemus is hiding. And he says, again, pretty loud, is there anyone else? And Nicodemus starts to tear up. Oh, man. Yeah. And then Simon's looking around and he, he sees something on the ground and he bends over in his purple bag. Now, purple, if you don't know, in 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 Jewish like purple fabric is is kind of wealthy fabric yeah right um, so so if you see the color purple it, it denotes wealth right and there's this this purple bag and Simon picks it up and says look at this somebody says well what is it Simon says let's find out and he opens it up and it's full of gold gold mm-hmm. coins gold doubloons and when Matthew hears that he sticks his nose in there because well, of ooh, course tax collector money uh-huh. you know. And uh, Jesus says, a friend of mine left that. Nicodemus left it. Jesus yeah. knows that, right? And Matthew looks at it, and he knows because he's the money counter, right? Uh, he says, that's enough for two weeks' worth of food and lodging. By the way, my dad was a banker his his whole life. Yeah. And he used to be, he was a teller for a lot of his early years in banking, and he used to be able to to hold a pile of coins in his hand 
like quarters or something. And he could tell you how much money it was just by the weight of it. Wow. Yeah. He, oh, man. Like when you, when you do set that kind of stuff, like he could, he could do that. We always, we would give him little piles of coins and huh. make him guess because it was, because it was just kind of fun. It was a good party trick. Yeah. It was a good party trick. Yeah. <laughs> Ma- Matthew's that way, right? Right, right. Um, and he, so he says it's enough for two weeks worth of food and lodging. And Nicodemus is just, he's crying now mm-hmm. around the corner. And Jesus says under his breath, you came so close. And Mary hears him and asks what he means, but he doesn't answer. Simon says they need to go if they're going to reach Tiberias by nightfall. Jesus agrees and they set off. And Nicodemus is now bawling. Mm-hmm. Silently. Silently. By the yeah, way. He, yeah he's, he's covering his mouth to yeah. not make any noise. Um, Simon looks at Matthew and says, <laughs> this is just sort of funny. He looks at him as they're getting ready to leave. He says, you going to wear that? <laughs> Because he's still well, wearing on, his on tax, his tax collector's yeah. kind of wealthy guy tax yeah. collector stuff, like his, like his work uniform. Almost. Yeah, and well, it's just just his clothes. Yeah, and, yeah. and he and Matthew says these are my clothes. Should I have others? And Simon just shrugs and move on. And Nicodemus is now an emotional wreck. He is he is bawling like a baby. So, what's going on in in Nicodemus' heart? Why why is he how's he feeling? Uh, he's basically imploding. With remorse, I think. Over over what? Over uh, over not, in his mind, not being able to join Jesus. Like he, he I, I don't think he recognizes, as, as a person, I don't think he recognizes that he actually does have a choice. For some reason, he, he is still compelled or maybe even compulsed to stay with, stay with life as he knows it. And to not step yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I think Nicodemus is keenly aware of the, the, the balance sheet on all this, you know, the scales, like he knows, he knows what his heart wants to do. And he, he believes Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah. And his heart, his good, sweet heart wants to follow him. But yikes, the, the. The cost, not just to him, but to his wife, who yeah. is who is not keen on all this, yeah, right, yeah. and would not be, right. Um, so he's, I mean, he's he's legitimately. I, I want to. I, I guess. I guess what I'm doing is offering a, a a little bit of grace to Nicodemus in all sure. this. Sure. Yeah. Um. He's in a he's in a real pickle. Yeah. Right. He's he's got. He's, you know, it's easy to talk about this and to say, well, you should just give it all up and follow Jesus. That's what you ought to do. Yeah, it's really easy to say that. It, like, this, this is not easy. And 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 so he's feeling, He, I, I think he's feeling like he's betraying his own soul a little bit. Yeah. Right? Um, so here's the question. is So he's not following Jesus to, to join his band of itinerant preachers. Yeah. Is that the same thing? Is he denying Jesus? Is he choosing against Jesus? I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't think I don't, so. I, I, I'm, inclined, I'm inclined to first look at it as the way that the, the show is presenting it. And with the, with the pain 
that we see Nicodemus in, the emotional turmoil that we see him in, which I, I want to bring up a, a behind-the-scenes tidbit about this scene here in a second. But we uh, we see the pain that he's in. We know that this decision is not light for him. We know that his, even though, yes, he is making a decision to not follow Jesus at this certain point, we as the audience, I think I think we we have enough evidence to say that his heart is still with Jesus. And that saying, or not saying, but that seeing him stay where he is as Jesus and the crew walks away, we see the pain that he's in. We see the, uh, again, that emotional turmoil. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see how we can condemn Nicodemus. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I yeah. would totally agree. Nicodemus's heart has always been with God. Yeah. Um, more than anybody else around, he has sought Jesus. Especially more more than what we've been shown the rest of the Pharisees are. Oh yeah, like even yeah. even in his own group. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He has sought Jesus out. He have, he wanted to talk to them. He he's he totally accepts who Jesus is. Yeah. He he bowed down to him on the rooftop. Yes. You yes. Know, he he knows. Yeah. Um. He he. And I and I think he feels like he's letting Jesus down. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would agree with that. And 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 I, that's what I think he's brokenhearted about. Yeah. Now. Is his is his heart still with God? You betcha, mm-hmm. you betcha it is, right? So he is not, he has not. This is, I guess, this is the way I want to say it. He has not all of a sudden now become an enemy of God, right? Because he didn't leave his his current life behind and go go follow Jesus in this way, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's going to come a time when he's going to have to decide whether he's going to accept. Jesus as his Lord and Savior, you know, and we've got no information in Scripture on how Nicodemus made that decision later on. But I think that's a little different than following him as as one of the apostles in in, at this stage. Yeah. Uh, So I'm I'm hopeful, you know, that Nicodemus made the right call ultimately, and I'm 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 willing to. I'm willing to give him a lot of credit here at this. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. We're, we are going long folks. <laughs> well, real quick before we leave the scene, let me, yeah. let me bring, uh, bring up some behind the scenes stuff. So, uh, th- this is something that actually comes out of the conversation between Dallas Jenkins and Eric Avari, the actor who plays Nicodemus. Uh, it came up in the, in the episode seven post live stream uh, of episode seven in the interview that Dallas has with Eric. Uh, Eric talks about filming this scene with Jonathan Rumi, the actor who plays Jesus. Jesus. Uh, and they, they knew this was going to be a powerful moment for, for Nicodemus and they wanted to do it right. So in the, uh, in the small rehearsals that they would do before filming actually happened, they would, uh, or not, they would, but Eric, and Jonathan, Jesus and Nicodemus, they they had this little conversation because of the way they wanted the way they wanted it to look on screen, kind of like what you already mentioned. Nicodemus is behind a corner, just outside of Jesus's sight, right? So yes, in in the world of the story, Jesus knows that it's Nicodemus on the other side of the corner, 
But in reality, when you're talking about two different actors and one is obstructed visually from the other, Jonathan's not going to see what Nick, what uh, Eric is doing physically. Yeah, right. Jonathan isn't able to see that. So Jonathan and Eric had to have a few uh, one-on-one private conversations on figuring out, uh, you know, what are you... Uh, timing. And, yeah, yeah, time, yeah, timing, exactly. Uh, Jonathan's big question what to Eric was, well, I'm not going to be able to see you. Yes, Jesus can see you, the character that I'm playing, but I, as the actor, am not going to be able to see you. What are you going to do on the other side of that wall so that I can react to it the way Jesus would? Yeah. They had to they had to hash that out, and it took a few takes. Yeah. But I think what they landed on was... Was very good. Oh, it was it very, was, it was very compelling. Wonderful. I, yeah, I, the 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 Jesus Nicodemus interaction in the in series one is is, is in many ways to me the most precious part yeah. of the whole oh, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a few things here. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, we're because we're getting long in the tooth here. So Jesus and the disciples are walking along the road and they come within sight of Jezreel, and Jesus takes a hard right. And Matthew, the, the, the navigator on mm-hmm. this journey, has got a map in his hand and he says, well, no, no, we need to go this way. And Jesus disagrees. He says, no, we're going through Samaria. Uh, there's a place I want to stop. Plus, it'll make the journey shorter by almost half. Okay, so you need to understand Jews did not travel through Samaria. There right. was There's bad blood between the Jews and the Samaritans and we're not going to go into all why. But they did not travel through Samaria. If they needed to go that direction they would walk all the way around samaria which was long yeah right yeah jesus makes a decision to go right through the middle because he's not perturbed the the disciples are not keen on this business right right like right. We, we're not going through we don't want to go samaritan it's dangerous and you know yada 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 and jesus stops and then he looks at him he says listen if we're going to have to have a question and answer session every time we do something you're not used to, it's going to be a very annoying time mm-hmm. together for all of us. That's there. That's an interesting statement, right? Tells them to get used to different. Yes, yes, exactly. Which is what he, what he told Simon. That's right. Uh, I, I want to say that that's good advice for all of us as we follow Jesus, right? Because predictable. God is not always, <laughs> right? Right, right. Um, the, God is always going to th- throw us curveballs from time to time, you know, and, and that's not because he's trying to be, you know, do some subterfuge or anything like that. It's because our expectations are are um, written based on our flawed perspective mm-hmm. on life and God and everything else. The the lenses through which we see right. are are flawed. Right. And um he's he's gonna he's gonna act consistent with his nature and with his love for us, but it's always it, it occasionally is not gonna look like what we think it ought to look like, right? Yeah. And so we have to one of the one of the real things we have to get used to as we become Christians is the idea that and this is a like this is a fundamental decision on the front end, right? I'm going to follow Jesus. And that means whether I understand what he's asking me or not. Yeah. Whether it makes sense, we you know, logic is kind of our god and I like logic. <laughs> I like things to make sense. But sometimes 
sometimes we just obey yeah. when it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? There's a there's a trust factor there that has to come into play. And I talk about trust all the time, right? Mm-hmm. If I trust him, and, I, and that's what Jesus is getting at with the disciples here. Like, like you, you agreed to follow me. Do you trust me? Well, yeah. Okay. We're going to go it's this like, way. Did you did you join me because you thought it would be safe? Yeah. That, he says, so, he says something that. like that. Yeah, yeah. He says something like that. Did you join me for safety reasons? Yeah. Yeah. Because they say, you know, it'd be safer to go around uh, Samaria. He says, did you join me because you thought it'd be safe? Yeah. Safety, like, it's following me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Now... It's getting toward evening. Jesus and the disciples are approaching this town um, called uh, Sychar in Samaria. And it is the town where Jacob's well is. So we're back back to that, right? It comes around um, full circle. They're all, they're all talking about um, the, the fact that they're hungry. And they've eaten up all the food that they had from the day before. And um, Simon says, you know, Master, we need to go into town and buy some food. Um, someone suggests they could use the gold that was left for him in Nicodemus's pouch. Um, and Matthew says, there's, there's this town just right here, Sychar. Jesus tells him, you go ahead. I'm going to wait over here by this well. Um, I'll be there when you come back. And he walks alone. They go into town. They head off, you know, veer off, um, head into town. He goes up and sits down by this well. Now, you can read this in John chapter 4. Most of John chapter 4 is this story. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you should you should read that. Okay? Um, and some of this dialogue that Jesus is going to have in this story, um, it, it's, it's a little, it can be a little odd to our ears, like what's he getting at here? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a bit of interpretation going on. I, I, I'm not going to say that um, the way that they interpret this in the in the chosen is necessarily the best way. I'm, I'm not saying it's not either. Right. It's right. a they do a they do a pretty good job of stringing the dialogue together in a way that makes the story go together well. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's it's perfectly fine. Um, but you could go and read the commentaries and and get you know a divergence of opinion on this dialogue. Sure. Um, and you can do that if you want to, and that's fine. But, but Ron, the Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. That's that. That yes, <laughs> yes indeed, yes indeed. <laughs> so Jesus is sitting by the well. Eventually, here comes uh, Fatina. Mm-hmm. Did, I say, did I say that right this time? <laughs> there you go. Um, and here she's carrying her empty water casks. She comes up and just she doesn't look at Jesus. She just starts drawing water. And Jesus asks her for a drink, and she ignores him at first, and then and then she says, "Well, it's is that bad, huh? Basically, that you you know things must be really bad if you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink." And Jesus says, "I love this." He says, "I'm sorry, I should have said please." Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and that and that that shakes her up a little bit. She's yeah. Like, she, yeah. She like she gives him a look. He's then... he's being kind, and nobody in this woman's world is kind to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he starts asking her questions. Why haven't you come with others? Don't women come to the wells in the cool of the morning? She admits that none of them will be seen with her, so she has to come alone later in the day. He says, well, why won't they be seen with you? And she says, long story. He says, I'd still like a drink of water because <laughs> she hasn't given him water yet. and He's thirsty. And she says, she looks at him and says, am I not unclean to you? Won't you be defiled? 
He says, maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. And she says, yeah, what do you say? And he says, I say that if you know, knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink and I would give you living water. So this is straight out of John 4, Yeah. right? She says, yeah, but you, got, you don't have anything to draw water with, right? And this is a deep well. Uh, she's very guarded. She doesn't trust Jesus. Um, and she addresses him with the cautiousness born from her experience, mm-hmm. right? And they go back and forth a, a little bit before coming to what I think is the most important part in this story. Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back here. This is the line in the sand for her. Yeah. Um, she, well, he, he starts making these audacious statements and, uh, you know, talking about when... Uh, there'll be a time when you don't have to worship in either. Well, we haven't got to that yet. Oh, we have. Oh, never we mind. Sorry. Jump yeah, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, when Jesus asks her that question, he is getting, he, he is getting right into the heart of where this woman lives mm-hmm. every day. Right. And, and, and I want to say, this is where Jesus is always trying to get to with us. Like the, the deepest issues of our hearts that is the place jesus wants to address yeah you know we sometimes think jesus doesn't care about a lot of that stuff you know god's not interested in all my hang-ups and hurts and but that is exactly where jesus wants to go first yeah that's with right. you because that is the center of your existence and that those are the things that that are most in need of redemption and so those are always the places God wants to go. And, and if, we, if we address Jesus and we don't allow him into that stuff, we're limiting on him on what he wants to do with us. Like that stuff is primary. Yeah. Right? And so that's why he, that's why he very quickly gets to this point with this woman. Right? The, 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 the centerpiece of where she's living. Um. So uh, Jesus says, you're right. She, well, she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, yep, you're right. Because he knows this. He says, very gently, very gently, he says, in truth, you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And at that, she looks at him dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we're, we're right at the heart of this woman's existence. Um, used and broken and filled with shame and regret, maybe abused, looked down upon by her peers. This is where this woman lives every day. These are the parts of her in most, most in need of redemption, and they are all heart issues. And she responds the way many of us might respond when our tender, fragile, wounded hearts face exposure. She kind of goes on defense. Yeah. Right? She says, ah, I see, you're a prophet. And you've, you're here to preach to me, right? That's that's what prophets do, right? Using, you're, you're using just, that divination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she says, usually the one good thing about coming here alone is that I can escape being condemned. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm not here to condemn. She says, I've made mistakes, too many, but it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. Now, this is, this is not in John 4, okay? This is right, some right. interpretive stuff. But it's interesting. This is stuff that they've added to the word. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's to make this and it, like it's not unreasonable. Right, it's right. Not right. an unreasonable twist. In fact, I've I, I've studied this passage a lot, and I and I I found myself as I was watching this thinking, that's kind of an interesting take mm-hmm. on this. Um, she says. So, so she says, you, you, men like you've made it impossible for me to do anything about my mistakes, my, my junk. And Jesus says, how? And she says, well, our ancestors worship in this mountain, but you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. Jesus says, they say that because that's where the temple is. She says, exactly where we're not allowed. Samaritans. Samaritans are not allowed in the temple, right? Just like tax collectors. Just like tax collectors. And he says... I am here to break down those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Now, what she, what he's talking about here is access, right? She says, so where am I supposed to go when I need God? That's a fantastic question, mm-hmm. right? She says, I've never received anything from God and couldn't thank him even if I did. This idea that we've got to mediate our relationship with God through some sort of priest or rabbi or or holy man of some kind. Like this is a very common idea in a lot of religious groups. Or a tradition. Or a tradition. Or a law. Yes, or yes, a yes, book. yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and Jesus says, um, she said, so her question was, where am I supposed to go when I, when I need God? And he says, anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth, heart and mind. That is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. And it won't matter where you're from or what you've done. And she doesn't know what to say. How many people are there in this world who feel absolutely isolated from God? Because it's so easy for us to, to assume that because we've screwed up and who hasn't screwed up, right? It's so easy for us to assume that because we've mucked up our lives mm-hmm. that there's, a, there's, there's this barrier that we can't overcome. And that, and that, and that the, the, boy, it's a bizarre thing because I've seen it in a lot of people, a lot of people. We, we, we somehow have this idea that until I straighten myself up, I can't. I can't come to God, so I got to do all that work first. Yeah, right. I, I and and they, they end up feeling a million miles away from God with no way to get closer. This is the this is the place a lot of people live. I would say a lot of Christians still live there. Yeah, right. Jesus says, "Do you do you believe what I'm telling you?" And she kind of gasps and laughs a little bit, and she says, "Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me." I don't trust anyone. Yeah. Understandable. And Jesus says, you're wrong when you say you've never received anything from God. This Messiah that you speak of, I am he. Mm-hmm. And then as she, she, like she's, she's, she still doesn't trust him and she starts walking away. She's got her water and she's off. And as she starts walking away, he starts listing off some of the details of her life. And he says, he starts listing off her husband's. He says, the first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. 
And she drops her water at that and says, stop it. But Jesus doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't quit. He says, the second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. So there's the oranges thing from the market. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. And at this, she starts crying. And she says, why are you doing this? And he says, I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You're the first. It would be good if you believed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now you, you see the disciples start to come. You know, they're off, still off in the distance a little way, but they're headed for the well. And she says, you picked the wrong person. And he says, I came all the way to Samaria just to meet you. Do you think it's an accident that I'm here in the middle of the day? She says, I'm rejected by others. And he says, I know, but not by me. There you go. Not by me. And she looks at him and gasps. And she says, and you know these things because you're the Christ? And he nods. And she starts crying and she says, I'm going to go tell everyone. Like she gets it, right? And he laughs and says, I was counting on it. I was it. hoping you would. Yeah. So this is a big deal. Yeah. This is a this is a this is a shift because remember every every um every time he's done something before, he's always tell people, Don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't, don't make it a big deal. Just yeah, right. Yeah. Keep it under your hat. Right. And she asks, Spirit and truth? He says, Spirit and truth. She says, It won't all be about mountains or temples. And he says, Soon, just the heart. She says, you promise? He says, I promise. She says it almost like a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like in the best sense. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And the disciples walk up to that moment and she says, to, she's just beaming at this point. She says, this man told me everything I've ever done. And she doesn't say it here or in the Bible, but I've always believed she wanted to say, and he loves me anyway. Yeah. Right? And she runs off into town to tell everyone. And one of the disciples says, uh, Rabbi, we've got food. <laughs> and Jesus says, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And, and one of them says, who got you food? Who got you food? Yeah, and Andrew. <laughs> it's Andrew, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Simon looks looks back over his shoulder at the woman running back. And the, like, the dots are connecting in his mind, right? And he says, wait a minute, you, you taught her? And Jesus nods. And Simon says, and she can tell others. And someone else says, what food? Yeah. <laughs> right? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Which is, folks, to bring people into God's love. Mm -hmm. That is the work. That is the work. Simon says, y you told her who we are? And Jesus nods and says um, that that means they're going to stay there a couple of days. Uh, he says, it's been a long time of sowing, but the fields are ripe for harvest. Simon said, Simon says, so it's time. Now, Simon, you know, Simon's been wanting to get this ball rolling. That's right. right. Get this train going on down the track for a long time now. And, and he's been frustrated that Jesus wants to keep all this quiet. Now's the time. Yeah. And Simon's pumped about this. And that's the, that's the end. Yep. That's the last scene. Yeah, we get a we get a nice panning shot of the of the crew walking down the hill going to Sychar. Yeah. We know they're about to get in that trouble. 
About to stir up some trouble. Yeah, and so there's some music, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the music. Oh, it's it's. I don't know. I don't even know what the song is. It's it, the the main lyric is trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it but it's like it's like encouraging. Like yeah, they're gonna go down, and and you know, rile people up for Jesus. <laughs> well, and now that now that all this is coming out in the open, it, it it's gonna mean trouble. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's gonna mean trouble. So, R- raveling those rousers or. Rousing those rabble, those rabblers. Yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah. however you want to say. It. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I think the chosen is trying to show us in this season one, and it's been in every episode. And I want to, I want to sort of underline this and put some exclamation parts after it for the for the benefit of our listeners. I, I think one of the things is the chosen is trying to show us, and this is the gospel story, right? Is that this this well of living water within this, you know, that Jesus wants to put within this woman, right? Isn't just for other people. It's like, it's not just for, for good people or perfect people or religious people, mm-hmm. right? It's not just for the Shemuels. Yeah. And the Quintai yeah. of the world. Quintai? Yeah. Yeah. The plural of Quintus. That's a plural. Of yeah. <laughs> but it's, this living water is not just for these people that got it all together. Yeah. Right? It's it's for this woman. This broken broken woman who's had way too many relationships, some of them better than others, and is now an out, an outcast. It's like it's for, it's it's not just for outcasts, but it's for it's for outcasts. Yeah. It's for people like her, people like me. It's not for the healthy. It's yeah, so we are the chosen in God's story. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what they're trying to get at. Jesus so wants to just draw us into his embrace and and love us into being different people. That's that's what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And he showed it here all through this season. I love the chosen. I said that from the outset. I still mean it. I am thrilled that season two is on its way. I don't know when it's on its way. I don't know when we'll see it, but I cannot wait. Yeah. And okay. and see. be there with bells on. Yep, that's right. So with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. Next week is um, we're gonna we're gonna do so. These have been long episodes, and I know that uh, this <laughs> this may be the longest one. So my intent. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, it's it's we're easing up on Christmas. Everybody's busy, crazy busy. So the next few weeks, I got some other things I want to talk about a little bit, and we're just gonna, it's gonna gonna be shorter episodes, just to kind of give everybody some break. And I I think it'll be some good stuff. So, uh, Brendan, you have been an absolute blessing to have here on these on these. Thank things. you. Yes. Thank you. Accolades. Thank accolades. You. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll catch the roses. I'll catch the fish. Whatever you want to throw my way. <laughs> That's That's the tomato. I'll catch it. The lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, uh, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, yada, yada, yada. You know know where all that is. Uh, Please visit us on our Facebook group for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, We've now got a group and a page. And a page, yes. On Facebook. Yes. I don't know why. Because all the all the cool kids tell me that I have to, so we do. Um, check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening. 
And remember, you are greatly loved.